Whoa, buddy, I have an episode for you. Brett McGrath, host, Modern Day Marketer. We're coming at you Friday when this drops. I got one of my favorite people to follow online, Nick Bennett, who is the director of evangelism and customer marketing at Alice to come on the show to talk a little bit about that role. He was in field marketing and now he's in this new role that he created. What is the process that he went through to build that role and pitch it to his team and step into that seat and be the face and voice of Alice? If you believe that the rise of the individual creator in B2B is making a positive change and impact and you want to be a part of it, Nick is freaking doing it and he unpacks how he's doing it on this episode. If you like what we're doing over here, follow, subscribe, do all those things, but most importantly, tell a damn friend you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. All right, let's go. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm excited for this conversation. Fun topic, a topic that I definitely want to explore. I'm excited for the guest, someone who I've been following across all the social channels. I think he's been spreading his wisdom there's always something new. And uh, most posts that people send consistently, I don't know, don't quite hit, but uh, my guests do for me. I'm joined by Nick Bennett. He's the director of evangelism and customer marketing at Alice. He just got back from being in front of people and seeing people. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But Nick, without further ado, welcome. I appreciate you having me, Brett. Super excited. Big, big fan of the juice and everything you do. You do. Awesome. Thank you, man. Well, uh, do you want to like, maybe like you did just come back from a conference, maybe like hit the highlights of like, what, what is like a, you said you, you might put together a blog post, but like, what are a couple like key takeaways from being in front of people for the first time in a while? Yeah. I think people are still unsure of how to, I guess, react in uh, like public facing networking opportunities at like a larger scale right before we were recording, as I was saying that, you know, there was probably 800 to a thousand people with probably sponsors there. And so some people were unsure. Do I go in for the handshake? Do I fist bump? Do I give the elbow? Do I just stay away and say hello? A lot of people were just still unsure of going back to their old ways of working trade show booths. Like literally I walked the floor probably 30 times just to create content, talk to people. And every single time I walked around, everyone was just sitting in their booth, not even standing there trying to get people to come in. They were literally just sitting there waiting for people to come to them. It was, I feel like we were doing so good coming out of hopefully like post COVID at some point to the point where like people really understand, Hey, you can't just sit at a booth anymore. You have to engage. You have to figure other creative ways and I don't know. It was just, it was just really weird because no one was doing that. So, so we're we're gonna get into the topic, but I want to touch on something you said. And the topic today is creating a new role at your brand by creating content, which is gonna be really good for this conversation. But back to like you before you're in your role, like you were working in field marketing, so you, you know, you were like probably more aware and mindful of like the in-person and the event experience more than most other marketers or people who don't necessarily focus on that as much. I think we've all been there walking the trade show booth and you see, and people are just sitting on their phones or working and it's just people like their company sent them and they're getting, you know, meal out of it, some free meals. And no one really like, maybe not no one, but a lot of people don't necessarily like the, the whole like wait for person. So they hope maybe that people don't come to their booth. I don't know. But I'm curious, like you said, like 
engaged with something that stood out to me. Like, I know it's been less than 24 hours since you've got back from the show, but is there any like creative ways or things that maybe marketers should be thinking about since people will be ramping back and going to shows that might be a little different than what we're used to, however, might have a bigger impact? Yeah, I think it's, you know, as a as a failed marketer for the last 10 years, I think there's a huge disconnect. I actually wrote about this the other day, but like a huge disconnect between your failed marketing strategy and your like digital demand strategy. Everyone just does these events. You're going to send all these generic emails to everyone that stopped by your booth and that you scan their leads and they're probably going to not read what you sent them and it's going to be a waste of spend. However, I focused on the creating of content while I was there. I literally walked around. I was asking people, hey, what's the best gift that you've ever gotten? What's the worst gift that you've ever gotten? And made it fun and interactive, regardless if they were customers or not. It's all about creating that content so that you can amplify post-event what it actually looks like. Because, and I mean, trust me, I've been there early on in my career where people would just go in to do these trade shows. You scan the leads. You send the Marketo email out after, you hope something happens, or you hope your SDR is called, and but nothing really does. And I don't think there's the amplification of content for distribution post-event. Uh, and so that's that's my big focus of what I've been focusing on. So I spent a lot of time with not even customers, just the other content creators and just seeing what we can do to kind of amplify that sound and get people excited about being back in person. I love that. And we we get so stuck in the status quo as marketers, just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. So hopefully people listening can get some ideas and find ways to break the cycle and do things that truly matter and will have an impact. Before we dive in, let's talk about Alice. You, you mentioned gifting and I was like, oh shoot, I got to make sure I, I, I pitch it to him to, to plug Alice. I've, I've been a fan and aware of the Alice brand, just meeting Alice online and meeting people who work there. And I've always had positive interactions with everyone and love what you're doing on the brand side, but maybe talk a little bit about what Alice does for anyone who might not know. Yeah, absolutely. So we're a B2B gifting platform. We're actually going through a process right now of changing our messaging. And so if you think about it, everything, when you, when you think of gifting, it's a nice to have, but it's not always a must have. However, when you think about outbound love and outbound marketing, everything is important when you do outbound marketing. It is a must have unless you have way too much inbound that like you don't need it, but every marketer is doing outbound. How do you fit gifting into your outbound marketing process? And that's what we're going to be focusing on with our messaging and kind of not using it as a silver bullet because that's what a lot of people think. I send you a gift, you accept a meeting, great. But there's actually 17 different moments across the buyer's journey that you can use gifting to amplify not just be that silver bullet. I love it. And I'm always a fan of watching companies that are um, doing well, roll out new messaging and go through that next iteration. So I'm excited to check that out. Let's talk about the topic and your role. I've always been someone in marketing throughout my career that's always been like, I don't necessarily want my next job to be something that already exists, but I want to like find the opportunity. And I think that's maybe what you've done at Alice me as an observer of you, um, we didn't know each other, but I followed you online and you were everywhere and you were constantly putting out great content. And for me, that that drove some affinity for the Alice brand. So like we've been talking a lot about just like the rise of the individual creators in B2B and how 
it, creators are the most important distribution channel for brands. You have actually, I think, taking that to a whole nother extreme where you've kind of pivoted into this new role. So maybe like talk a little bit about just like creators, your process, like the transition from like field marketing to what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it was something where the more and more I thought about it, it was like, everyone would ask me, do you want to be a CMO? And I was like, honestly, I have no aspirations to become a CMO. Like I sit in enough meetings as is, and I see all these VPs of marketings and CMOs. I don't know how they get anything done. They just sit in meetings all day. And so I was like, yeah, that's not what I want to do because I feel like you're not doing marketing at that point. You're just politically working around all this red tape. And so I was like, all right, well, what, what do I want to do? I've been a field marketer. I've done ABM. I understand community being in MarTech and before MarTech, I was in sales tech. I always see these people like Sangram from Terminus or um, Ethan from um, bomb bomb. Yeah, bomb bomb. Um, or even like Randy from Uberflip, like all these executives have these evangelist type roles. And I was like, what does it look like for a non-executive in MarTech or sales tech to go down this path? Because I started to talk to people and other marketers. They were like, yeah, like, I would love to do something like that. And I know it exists in IT. Like you always had advocates and like things like that, that would go around and speak and they were very technical, but you don't see non-executives really have a role like this. And I think like the rise of the individual creator is starting to change the ties where like you have more power than your employer. In a lot of cases, you know, you're going to outdrive any type of company page unless you're like a Nike or something, but like, anything that you can post is going to drive way more. I know when I post something on LinkedIn, I'm going to drive anywhere from 50,000 to a hundred thousand views per post. And so it's something where I said to our executive team, like, Hey, this is really what I want to do. And I was already somewhat doing it because in 2021, I drove $500,000 a pipeline just from organically creating content on LinkedIn. Other fail marketers would come to me be like, Hey, I would love to like learn more about Alice. I always see your name. I know you don't talk about Alice in your post, but like I click your profile. I see you work there. We use a competitor. I'd love to explore what you can do for us. And I could tell you, like I drive right now two to three inbounds per week where people are specifically calling out like my name and like LinkedIn. And it's just like, it's really nice to see. So I said, all right, my goal in 2022 is to drive 1 million in like pipeline myself just from posting on LinkedIn. And I went to our executive team and I said, let me pitch you a role that I want to do. And I kind of broke it down. I said, here's everything where I see evangelism fitting into both on the customer side, as well as the, uh, the prospect side. And then here's where the metrics where I think it's important. And I just pitched it and they were like, yeah, you're, you're absolutely the perfect person for that. And so I just kind of moved into it. And a lot of it is around the creation of content and just getting people within the company to also start posting their own content. Because when you have 20, 30 people within a company that are posting and you're driving 20, 30, 40 million views a year, think about how much you're paying in impressions for that on ad spend. And so it's, uh, it's been really, really fun. And I, I talked to a lot of people at the conference that were like, I want to do exactly what you're doing. How do I do that? And so... I've just started to talk to other people and I'm hopefully going to start to pave this path of like, hey, for all you B2B MarTech and sales tech companies, you need to look at non-executives, individual creators within your company to start to lead this new revolution. I 
love all of this so much. Um, and I love how you're an example to show that this actually works. So you said so much there. I think one thing that I I've learned about you, and I would say I'm, I feel the same, I feel a connection because I feel the same way that like you genuinely love to share your thoughts, share your opinion, observe and help through the act of content creation. And so like you want to take that content creation role as high as you can go, but that doesn't necessarily mean like, I want to go be the CMO of a brand because that might hinder you from actually doing what you love, which, which I can appreciate. And I want to talk about like the LinkedIn example, like you post on LinkedIn, you get a ton of engagement. I don't think that happened overnight, but like maybe like for anyone out there who is like on LinkedIn, but not getting the engagement they want, or like maybe haven't quite jumped into the LinkedIn game. Like, what would you like, how did you get started on LinkedIn? Like, what is your process and what like kind of nuggets can you share? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, I wrote, I wrote a good post on this last night because I was like, it took me six months before I saw any traction. And I'm talking about, so like when I was posting, I was getting like 500 views and like two comments and like for six months, it was like, it was that, that's what it was typically like. And I was like, why am I doing this? And then six months in, I went from like 502 to like 2000 views and like 10 comments. And I was like, I thought like, this is amazing. Like, whoa, like way up. But it really took me over a year before I started to get in that groove of like, when I post, like, I know that like, I can expect a certain level of engagement. I can expect a certain level of views. And so it didn't happen overnight, but there were times where like, I wanted to quit because it's like, I'm showing up every single day, five days a week creating content around build marketing, ABM, and no one was really engaging with it. Like no one wanted to learn more. And I was like, why, like, why do this? But I didn't quit. I just stuck with it because I was like, I know consistency will pay off. I just have to stay with it. And it just kind of, after a year, it just kind of, I don't, it was weird. It just kind of like picked up steam and it started to go really, really well. And everyone always says like, post one time a day, the algorithm will ding you if you post more than one time a day. Like I've been testing posting two times a day for the last like month. And it's actually way higher for me than posting like one time a day. And I, and I have like so much to say that like, I didn't want to be limited to one time a day. I know it's not like Twitter. Like I know Twitter, like people are posting all the time. Like, so I'm sticking to two times a day just to see, like I do like a morning one and I do a like afternoon or evening one. And that's worked out really, really well for me. But it always comes back to consistency. And I think people start off strong for a month, maybe two months, three months, but then they stop because something happened at work or something happened in their personal life. And then they stop for like a month or two. And then you got to go back to square one and start all over again. So it's not easy, but the consistency definitely paid off. And I think it was all about playing like the long game versus short game. I love the long game and whatever you're doing is working because I always see your posts in all of my feeds. Um, (laughs) You mentioned this, the creators and the role of the creator and like the people on the front lines and not necessarily it being the CEO or the CMO. And I think that's important. You also mentioned about like, you are actually able to kind of attribute your work that you're doing to pipeline growth, which I think is like something that is a challenge when someone like you goes to their boss or their boss's boss and tries to pitch the role people don't, they want to see the the numbers and they want to see the results. Maybe like unpack a little bit about like 
the tracking and the process that you have to report back on just like the time you're spending on channels like LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that we did on our inbound demo form was like change from how did you hear about us? Like from a drop down, basically all marketers like to put people into a box and it's like, even if you're using like attribution software, which is a whole nother story, like it's always going to put something different. So we got rid of that and we put an open text box. We still required the question, how did you hear about us? But we're getting so many incredible insights. Like we're getting, people are calling out like myself, like LinkedIn, like word of mouth, specific communities that they've seen us in like TNS or like DGMG or things like that. And so it's, one, it's given us so many incredible insights onto like where to double down on, but also what channels are actually working and where to kind of focus our time. Because a lot of people were like, why post on LinkedIn? Well, I can tell you, I'm driving all of these inbounds and not even just me. We now have more people posting where like LinkedIn as a channel, uh, like we're driving probably, I would say like seven to 10 inbounds per week specifically calling out LinkedIn, Um, not even like our company page, just like employees within LinkedIn. So we know that works. And another one is TikTok. Like I've been kind of experimenting with that for the last month and a half. And we now have opportunities that are coming in where they're mentioning they're seeing us on TikTok. And I'm the only one within the company that's posting on there. But it's another thing where it's going to show that it actually works. And so we've just kind of been doubling down on that. But honestly, that that change that we made probably last November uh, on our demo form has been a game changer in itself. So you you are uh, what I, I one of the things I love that that you said here is like yeah you are the the kind of the face and the guy on the front line. However, like you recognize that you probably shouldn't be the only one at Alice doing it, and you're. I'm imagining I'm I'm envisioning you as kind of the quarterback of this process, but you're kind of building and creating a you know a culture of creators at Alice. Is there anything like formally you're doing there, or is it just happening organically? People seeing you and they say, you know what, I want to do that too and share my thoughts. How's it work? Yeah, so I'm actually creating a social advocacy program internally right now, and so myself and uh, Alexine Mudwar, who's on our strategic sales team, she's very popular within like the sales uh, LinkedIn side of things. And I handle the marketing, but we ran a class together for employees and we had over a hundred people show up. And it was all about the do's and don'ts of getting started on posting on LinkedIn, like what you may experience, the consistency, like what works. We've created a Slack channel internally so people can ask questions if they don't like know what to type of content to post, like we can brainstorm together. But the whole goal was if we can get like that 20 to 30, 40, even 50 people posting on a regular basis, and we can start to hit that like 50, 60, even a hundred million views organically a year, like that's when we're going to win as a company and amplify the brand as a whole. I love that. I, I wanted to. I, I want to take the course. I want to check it. Check it out. Uh, the so I want to like talk like there's so often this there's this like mindset from uh, your boss or your boss's boss or the board, and it's like this questioning these like progressive new ways to to market, and it's kind of the this this thought processes that they've served on boards that have gotten successful because of this marketing strategy. And this boss has gotten this promotion because of this marketing strategy. And so when something new and fresh comes to the surface, um, there's a lot of questioning behind it. 
And I want to like, I want to get, I'm going to, I want to get you to comment on this, but like when I first got back into like marketing to marketers, I just kind of like listened. I wanted to see what was happening, evaluate the landscape. And like what I quickly noticed that had changed is that this human to human connection was really not only driving relationships, but it was driving business results. And you've talked a little bit about it, but it's this idea that, you know, the, the real impact is happening in the DMs between people. It's in these Slack communities. And this, while it might not be like, okay, well, we can report, you know, 100 leads from this activity this month. It's a lot of these brand activities that we should be doing in marketing that I think businesses who are lapping other businesses, they, they get it and they're implementing it. I see Alice doing that, but I think a lot of companies are struggling to get started. So like, if you're a marketer listening to the show, that followed you, get what you're doing, but but are, are struggling a little bit to get started and like change that culture um, internally at their brands. Like, what what would you recommend? Like, how how do you even get started? I think it's I think you gotta you gotta start to show any type of results that you can, like low low hanging fruit. And I think it helps when your board or your advisors are also people that are, you know, well-known on LinkedIn. Like, for example, like we've got Dave Gerhardt, we've got Catano Donardi, we've got Sidney Sloan, like all these people that are advisors within the company are people that are well-known on LinkedIn. Like they understand it. So they understand using that as a piece of it. And so our executive team, even for example, our CEO used to post all the time on LinkedIn pre-COVID and he stopped and he wants to get back into it. He's just trying to figure out how to get back into it. But like our, our chief legal officer, like he does it on a regular basis, which he's kind of, he's kind of like niched out and really he just focuses on like the legal and privacy laws and things like that. But we have some of our executive teams starting to post, but I think you have to start there to show the value. And if you can even go deeper and say like, look, I just post on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever, and these are the results that I'm seeing. I'd love to explore this further as a company. I think it will give you a little bit more credibility if you can show that like whatever type of analytics or value, it goes a long way versus just like, yeah, this is just another number that we have to hit. Because that, that's a thing that we were trying to figure out in our executive team probably about a year ago was like, I understand the value of LinkedIn, but how do we attribute it to actual business results? And so that's when we went through of like, all right, like, hey, let me show you all of these, this pipeline that I'm driving, all of these people in marketers that are specifically DMing me saying, I want to learn more and I want to set up a demo. And I could tell you, like, I closed like, like out of that 500K I drove last year, I probably closed about 200, 250K of it. And like, that was all kind of pipeline that we may or may not have had before, but it showed that there was value in it. So our executive team now understands it. They're hundred percent on board. They want to learn themselves. They just say like, Hey, like, what can we do to support you? So the uh, examples of the DMs and results from it, like, I think it's like, you know, if you got a newsletter and someone responds to you and if you, if you post something and someone DMs you, it's like all of these things that like, aren't necessarily in a spreadsheet, but like are the things right now in 2022 that lead to actual legitimate pipeline? Like, is it like, uh, is there a way to not like wait, but like start a Slack channel, like create slides, like just constantly get getting those wins in front of the right people so that they buy in to the time you're spending on LinkedIn and they start to associate your time on LinkedIn to what's 
the pipeline in Salesforce or HubSpot or whatever CRM you're using? Yeah, I, th- I think I think a Slack channel is definitely good, but I also give um, I give monthly and quarterly updates to our leadership team of like what are we actually seeing from a not just me, but like as a company, what are our employees driving? What are we seeing from like the form fills that are actually coming in on demo requests and like. It, it took a little bit of a while to kind of see that, but they understand the concept that like dark social, like word of mouth, like is a real thing. And they know that most of the business is happening in all of these other channels because a lot of what we focus on is understanding people beyond just the persona that they are. And so they get that because we're, you know, as, as marketers, like we buy the same way. Like if I am going to look for a tool, I'm going to a Slack community or people that I trust to get their opinion versus like just going to see a demo. Like I'd rather like, I'll probably know what I want to buy before actually talking to a company just because of the research that I did on the, like the back end. I love that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the like channel, like you put in the time on LinkedIn, you're seeing results on LinkedIn. Naturally, as marketers, when something works a certain way, it's like, okay, let me go test this somewhere else. You mentioned TikTok. Now you're testing TikTok. Like, how do you, there's all, there's all, only so much time, right? There's only so much time to do all the things. Like, what is your recommendation regarding like channels, testing, and kind of measuring performance? Yeah, I would say, I would say, you know, LinkedIn is probably where I spend the majority of my time. So like I use LinkedIn mostly through my, my cell phone. And so I track how, how much time I spend on there. And in a 24 hour uh, span, I spend an hour and a half per day. And that's, that's not terrible because I do it in chunks throughout the day, but you know, before bed or something like I'm, I'm on it usually, and usually early in the morning, but like Twitter for me is very much like I, I actually, so I batch my content on Twitter, um, whereas I don't do that anywhere else. But I was trying to see if it actually made a difference. And so like I would write out a week's worth of tweets like three times a day, and I would just schedule those just to see like how it did. And it, it, Twitter is a completely different beast than it is like compared to LinkedIn. And, like TikTok, honestly, it's, I don't know how people spend as much time like editing these videos. Like some people say they spend like two or three hours editing videos. Like I focus on like the audio trends that are there and other uh, like personal branding or like marketing advice that I can give in like a short, like 60 second video. I love it. Uh, Maybe we close out with this. I think, uh, see, just you're like the perfect example of building personal brand but also attached and associated directly with the brand that you work for, which is, I think you benefit, you're growing your audience and your network. Alice benefits, they're getting pipeline from the work you're doing. I think like, as I'm trying to navigate and figure this out, I think like there is a, needs to be like a conscious decision from like marketing leaders anywhere to like, not only accept this trend, but like recruit for this trend because these people are the people that are going to be bringing the right people to your company. How do you like, is there any separation there for you? Like, how do you think about it? Like it's, I, I know you as Nick, the content guy from Alice. Um, but I also, I think you, you do a nice job of kind of like sharing some personal details about like, right. 
you like baseball and stuff like that. Maybe like share with anyone who might be struggling on like the separation or the connection between creator at brand and building personal brand. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's something that I think when, when I first started, like before I actually took it seriously, I would always post, I would say like 10% personal stuff, 90% work stuff. And we've all been there. Like when I was a field marketer, all I would do is like share the company's like webinar that they were doing. Like, and I wouldn't even write my own stuff. I would literally hit share and then just post. And like, that doesn't drive any actual action or CTAs out of it. And so I, my, my mentality now is like, 90% of what I post is like, like Nick stuff, like personal stuff. However, I know that in an, in LinkedIn tells me this, but like 90 days, like rolling 90 days, I have 12,000 people that have looked at my profile. So I know that 12,000 people are figuring out that I am working at Alice. That's an additional 12,000 people that like are eyes or possible prospects. Lots of times not, but like, who knows? Like a lot of them see like, Hey, you work at Alice. Great. Maybe they then go to an event we're doing or do read, read an ebook we have and then fill out like a form. Like it's all about that, that journey. And then 10% is probably like work-related stuff. Like when we, like we just released like, uh, like a HubSpot integration. So like I did something around that or like when we do like some G2 reviews or like whenever we have big launches, I'll like do a poster video around that. But I would say it's really only, I would say five to 10% of the time but I don't need to always talk about Alice. And it's a question I get a lot. They're like, why don't you talk about Alice more? I'm like, well, think about it. If you were reading someone else's content, would you want to just always learn about the company that they're doing and like the work that they're promoting? Like, don't you want to understand the person who's actually doing that work, what they're passionate about, what they care about, how they think as a marketer? I mean, at the end of the day, the goal is to never apply to a job again by using social media to get you there. And I'm fortunate enough where I think I'm in a place where like, if I was just to get laid off today and post on LinkedIn, like, Hey, I'm looking for my next opportunity. Here's five things that I've been able to accomplish while I was at Alice. Shoot me a DM. If you're looking for whatever role you're looking for. I'm fortunate that hopefully people would actually DM me and I wouldn't be, you know, without a job for too long. And I think that's a big reason why I do this. One thing we didn't even touch on, but you did at the end, you are building your online resume, which is (laughs) what we should be all doing. Um, Last, last one, just to give someone who's listening out there, something super tangible to grab a hold of. You just change roles. You just describe the reason why you describe the process. It can be content related. It can be anything related. Like what is one piece of advice or recommendation you'd have to any marketer out there who's in their role and wants to go try and do something different? Like what is the first thing they should be doing to get started? I, I think it's just, it's starting to, to create your own content on LinkedIn, like figure out your, your niche or like whatever it is. Like for me, it was field marketing. And I think a lot of people struggle with that right now because, you know, I would say a year, even two years ago, 1% of LinkedIn was actually creating content. I do feel like that's probably gone up and I'm interested if LinkedIn releases like a new statement where like I could see maybe three to 4%, which is still a very small number. But you have to figure out different ways to stand out. And maybe, you know, especially if you're talking about like, let's just say demand gen, like Chris Walker has that angle pretty covered, but a lot of people want to talk about it, but figure out how you can fit your story into there. And if you're starting to tell tangible 
actual stories that have impacted you, whether you were successful or failed. Those are the stories that I personally love. Like I did X, Y, Z because of X, Y, Z. I failed. These are the reasons why you've now helped me prevent from doing the same exact thing. And now I enjoy your content. Like people just post so much fluffy stuff that like, it's like, you know, you see these like memes and stuff that just doesn't add value. And I, I, I do it sometimes like, (laughs) but there's people that only rely on that. And like, I just don't see how that adds value. And I think the stories and the personal connections of who you are as a person that adds value to someone else's network. This guy got in at midnight last night and he is up early in Adam recording a podcast episode. Nick, I appreciate it. Before we let you get out of here, plug something. What's happening at Alice or what's something you want to plug um, on the personal side? The floor is yours. Yeah, appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, if you want to check out Alice, want to learn more about gifting, I'm happy to personally give you a demo. I was a user at a previous company before I came here. Go to alice.com, fill out that demo form, drop my name in there, and I will personally reach out and, uh, and give you a demo. Uh, that, that Now, this is creating a creator experience from start to finish. I, are you going to be doing customer support if they, if they become an Alice customer? <laughs> I probably will be. Yeah, absolutely. Anything you need, I'm here for you. I love it. Uh, such a fun episode. Thanks so much for dropping your knowledge. Nick, we'll have to get you back on. Uh, get some coffee or hopefully you can get, some, get to bed early. Appreciate it, Brett. Definitely. Thanks for having me. That is someone that I just really appreciate and enjoy learning from. Tons of wisdom there, tons of insights and knowledge. Go check out what Alice is doing. Go follow Nick across everything. You take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back with more Modern Day Marker, like always, next week. Take care.